Welcome to Around the Table, a new source for Christ-centered teaching and conversations from an apostolic Christian perspective. Our church's new vision and purpose statements might seem simplistic at first glance, but there is an incredible depth in these short phrases. Find out how these statements can guide us in decision-making and help keep us together as a denomination. Greetings and welcome as we gather around again and continue our conversation on uh, the vision and purpose of the Apostolic Christian Church. Um, We're joined by uh, elder brothers Kevin Ryan, Nick Gutwein, and Bruce Endress. And um, the vision statement, as we shared last time, is a body of believers bound together by our love for Jesus Christ and his word, reflecting God's love, grace, and truth. The vision statement of the Apostolic Christian Church. So with that statement in front of us, brothers, what strikes you about that phrase? Also, how do you hope your congregation um, thinks about this statement and, um, and processes through uh, this statement? The concept of a body is just fascinating to me as we read it in the scriptures and the Apostle Paul uses that example. Um, the diversity that exists in our physical body and yet the, uh, its ability to function together. And so in many ways, I think we're facing that in our, in our church you know, I think there's a real fallacy in today's time on the independent spirit and everybody just kind of going and doing what they want to do and groups just continuing to split off of each other and it, it it becomes disillusioning. So I really like the bound together by our love for Jesus Christ and his word. When I put those together with the strengths and blessings of our church, the multi-generational nature and recognizing that we by all means want to be multi-generational. We don't want to be just a a four-generation church. Mm -hmm. And so to do that, we are going to have to bind ourselves together. But at the same time, we want to reflect those things that are timeless, the love of God, um, the grace, and the truth. Nick, what are your thoughts as you think about it? I think naturally in uh, mankind is a desire to be part of something. There's a hole there. And we know the only way that can be filled is through Christ. And so the centerpiece of this statement is Jesus Christ, our cornerstone, foundation. And then um, so being part of his body with him as the head uh, is just it's it's really the gospel and, uh, and the saving the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. So I, I really appreciate the statement. I also appreciate that uh, it's simple and clear. I think some people may say, well, you spent that much time and these are the two statements you came out with. Mm-hmm. But that simple clarity in this statement is powerful from my perspective. So I like that too. I appreciate the simplicity of it. And yet, if any one of us who are converted people step back and ponder exactly how deep some of those thoughts are, loving is Jesus loved, a body of believers bound together by what? Our love for Christ. That, there's a, there is an individual accountability that gets, if you think about it, says, I, I'm a part of this church not because my grandpa was, not because I like this, not because, but because I believe Jesus led me here, has directed me here, and has asked me to be committed here. I think that's a pretty impactful personal accountability. Every one of us who are part of any church for any length of time are going to find times where we're discouraged, where people in that church hurt us, where leadership doesn't live up to our expectations. So what's my commitment to the church? No, my commitment is to Christ and the belief that he placed me here. I also, and this maybe speaks to a hope I, 
I have, a prayer I have for the whole effort, is that we will see a cohesion. We have certainly a good percentage of our churches, who have, our congregations, who have already embarked on a, a local, what's our purpose? So if I'm in a city, you know, the Chicago church is a very different congregation than the Bradford church, just by where they exist. Each of those may have a little bit of a different role in their communities, but we should be bound together. So what binds us together? What directs my behavior in the Tallinn County, Connecticut area versus the West Lafayette, Purdue campus area? It still should be love, grace, truth, the commitment to Jesus and a commitment to loving people. I want to see it guide us in those ways. I also, one of the reasons we've met a number of times with Harvest Call is there synergy between what your purpose is and what we're doing here? Because that should happen. I hope that happens with Life Points. I hope it happens with ACCFS. There should be a, a, a synchronicity. You know, as we have embarked on community outreach, as, as Brother Kevin said, our church is uh, not 20 years old yet. And so um, we have really been spurred by the Spirit, I think, to reach into the community and bring these people to church. And so without a history in the apostolic church, having a way to explain what is our vision as a body, what is our purpose, really helps the conversation and helps them, I think, especially as we roll out the guiding principles later. And we have our statement of faith. We have the four-pillar mission. All that flows together nicely to communicate to someone who hasn't really been brought up or around our church. Um, somebody brought up the term in one of our discussions locally that um, almost by osmosis, those of us who grew up in the church understood it. And that just doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work for newcomers, for sure, as we go to outreach, but also even for our youth, who has so many different um, sources of information, it's not as clear. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be helpful now. I'm going to give a humorous example of what Nick's talking about. I can remember uh, when I first came to church and was invited to someone's home the first time for a meal, and we had a nice conversation, wonderful meal, and somebody said, well, we're going to finish up now. And I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you had so finished up before. Right? <laughs> I thought we were all done. So I, mm-hmm. it's a little bit humorous, but it speaks yeah. right to sure. yeah. the sure. next point. Yeah. And, there, and, and then think about the deeper. Yeah, the deeper issues are the, 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 bigger, the bigger concepts, for well, sure. Yeah, well, what, what people could do is they observe behavior, which not knowing the source of that or what the root of it is, they could look at us a bit differently and not understand, well, where is this coming from? That the root and the source comes yeah. from the Word of God, the Word Jesus of God, Christ, Jesus the things Christ. that we're trying to articulate mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And, and that can be very confusing. I, I have a sister at home that I often use to help counseling others who are not raised in the faith, who first generation of whatever the right appropriate term is. And she tells a great story that when she was young and single and in the young group and invited the young group to her home and how she panicked because her mom used canned or store-bought sauce for the meal because all of her experience had been all of the wonderful domestic capabilities that growing up in the church, you just learned by osmosis. Mm -hmm. And we can laugh at that, but for a young believer, unfamiliar that quickly becomes something that gets spiritualized when it shouldn't be spiritualized. Mm -hmm. And having something like this purpose and a a vision to bring someone back to and ground them in, I think is another way it can be used, right? But hopefully we can eliminate some of the self-induced pressures that people feel. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. 
it says we value an international denomination, and it's it's important to us to I think to articulate that. Yeah, I think that's another uh, tension that we've talked about openly in the elder body. We've been through some pretty rough waters over the last five, ten years, and there was discussion about what do we do here and mm-hmm. what are we going to go. I think this does speak to the fact that we desire to be a body, mm-hmm. that we believe there is benefit in a national, international church. But there's a tremendous amount of safety in the fact, especially if I use myself as an example, as Shepherd in Rockville, and having to be accountable to a national body of my peers is safe for me and it's safe for the Rockville Church. And it also gives us expanded opportunities across the, the nation and really beyond that that we wouldn't have without that denominational view. So I think the vision and purpose statement speak directly to the fact that we as the ecclesiastical authority of the church have made the commitment to stay together, to remain together, and be just sub- subject to one another's counsel. I would even take that a step further. It, it speaks to that, but also I think it's a, an important component to bringing us together internationally, um, the vision and the purpose. Absent that direction from leadership, I think human tendency, especially in is contemporary it, times, is to be out. individual. Just mm-hmm. go the direction we want to go. That's our human nature. And if we don't watch it and we're allowed that, we'll, we'll, we'll go that way. And we don't see value or benefit. And again, this is putting that, I think, in very clear terms for us, that we mm-hmm. really value this international church for a number of reasons. And hopefully this will help to teach that and to um, contribute to that, that desire. The purpose of the Apostolic Christian Church, as adopted by the elder body, is to glorify God by loving as Jesus loves. So pretty memorable, pretty short, and yet I think there's a lot of depth there. Brothers, speak to that. Tell us what, what captures you about that statement. You recognize there's a lot more packed in there than what you right. think. And so I, I think that speaks to the importance of teaching and speaking about this. When you come to ask, what does glorifying God by loving as Jesus loves, that, that's a, I don't think you plumb the depths of that very quickly. It, it, that, hit, that hits every aspect of our life. Mm-hmm. Jesus gave us a new commandment that we would love one another, and that's how we will be known as his disciples by loving each other. Again, it's back to the comment. It's simple, but it's deep and complex also in its in what it calls us to, right? Well, I think it's a, a beautiful thing. I also think that in today's world, if you, you look at many non-Christians, unbelievers, they would look at this statement and say, that's not what I view you as. I mean, they, there's this idea that we're intolerant, we do stand on the truth, but love is what compels us for all that. I really appreciate Brother Nick's point on that because it is a big part of what this uh, purpose statement means to me. That um, I sometimes think in our American society that no one has done more harm to the cause of Christ than Christians who have entered into the malicious culture wars that exist in our country today and the mistreatment of very sinful people. That is not what Jesus did. It's not about the Supreme Court. It's not about the party of affiliation. It's not about those things. It's about the salvation of a soul. And yes, we all, we all lament what we see in the deterioration of, of good moral values and a foundation of what is right and wrong. But what's going to really capture someone back from the depths of destruction and sin is going to be the love of God. 
and and who is going to exhibit that if not us and i think it is one of the things that we do well i think it's one of the things that we've learned well how to do as a as a denomination and i think it's one of the things that makes us most unique as a as a church body um and i think it's something that the world desperately needs and I, I can say this because though I was involved with the work group, both of these statements were developed, as, and you were there, Brother Arlen, in a, in a pretty democratic process yeah, of, it was. That, yeah, of those brothers it was. and sisters. They were spent, kind of spun out for a day mm-hmm. to go and examine all of what we had learned and the input we received in those focus groups, what they were saying. They came back, we refined, we broke out again, and we refined in a two-day period of time. You know, that 14-person representation of ages and gender and position, and um, and I, I view it as really Holy Spirit-inspired. I, I truly do. So I don't, I don't have an ownership to it or an ego attached to it at all. I don't think any of the brothers and yourself no. included that were involved. It, it was certainly a God-given thing in my view. Yeah, in many ways, you could see it as a, as a result of, a, of a, the Spirit working through the church from the beginning of the process through— and I think the one thing that stands out to me as well is as you look at that statement, as we love as Jesus loves, as we do that, the result then is that we glorify God. We worship him. That leads towards that that knowledge and worship of God that's 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 begun in the loving of the Savior, of Jesus. So what do you hope your congregation does with this statement? How has it changed their life? We have a young sister that recently married, and she's teaching. She's in fourth grade, and she's on the front line of some of these social upheavals that we're going through and identification discussions and things that just, to me, are are mind-boggling. She's on the front lines of it in a grammar school situation. And for her to say, so what do I do in this situation? And to be able to come back and have this kind of as a cornerstone of where to start. Mm -hmm. So how how do I behave? when confronted by my administration or even parents and that sort of thing. Um, it's been really useful, and I, I hope that that will happen. I have an, I have an example of that, of one of our uh, sisters, a mother, who went through the focus groups, and as she started to, uh, the second time around, started to see where this was going, she said, I can see myself um, being more confident in expressing what I'm part of with the mothers who are with me in this homeschooling group that she's in from the community. And so that's an, an example of that equipping, helping, helping her better communicate yes. and better and better share. This is, yeah, and, this is what is core. Right. And also for her, just her confidence in, in framing something that helps her articulate who we are, where we came from and what's important to us. Mm-hmm. Bruce, any, any thoughts on the impact that you hope this, this purpose statement has? Well, I I just hope it has a similar effect to what it has on me and just thinking of a bigger picture. I think Brother Nick mentioned earlier, those of us who have been raised in the Apostolic Christian Church, we absorb a lot of things by osmosis. Yeah, We don't always absorb the right things or get the right focus. Just like a, a child who learns from their parent just by what they always watch them do without the teaching associated with it. So I hope that this just helps us ponder in a, a bigger way what what God loves and what's important to God mm-hmm. and how that can apply in our life. We want to live like Christ mm-hmm. lived mm-hmm. and love like he loved. And I guess that's just my hope that people will will give this a fair 
shake will take it to heart and will ponder what it can mean in their life. How does someone um, keep them from becoming just a poster on the wall? How have we done that so effectively with the four-pillar mission? And, and I think one of the ways we've done that is when we established organizations. Mm-hmm. Harvest Call, again, is an example. That it, we went back to that. I hear, again, the paraphrasing of doing deeds of service to all mankind, of preserving sound doctrine. I hear it from the pulpits. It's been internalized in the hearts and minds of us as a people. How did that happen? Um, I think it happened over time. I think it happened just by leadership using it. I think it happened over time by us as an elder body referring to that um, periodically. Uh, I think it became part of what we do and who we are as young people came to us and said, I I really want to be more involved. I want to serve the Lord in certain ways. And so we were able to go back to that mission, those four pillar missions. More and more brothers and sisters are going to be faced with, for example, decisions around work life. Mm -hmm. It guides people in decision making, saying, okay, I am a part of this body. How does this option that I have in front of me for schooling or work or family commitments versus making more money. Mm-hmm. How, does, how does that mm-hmm. influence? And it can give people a touchstone to go back to. Mm-hmm. And again, it won't give somebody the answer, but it will help teach people how to think, not what to think. This idea of it could, like you said, Arlen, be stuck on the wall somewhere. Um, first of all, if we believe it's spirit-inspired and we pray about it, and then we use it to teach use it to teach in our church. Um, uh, and, and it becomes then a framework for uh, rolling out biblical principles and teaching to our people to equip them, as Kevin said, for the decisions in life and what, they, what we face. And look what we're facing today. The world we live in is rapidly changing and becoming more complex and dark. And, and to be able to provide that, we have to use it. We have to use it. And I feel a responsibility and I know those in our church who teach will feel a responsibility to, to teach and use this as a framework, biblical framework, as we go forward. And I would just add to Brother Nick, uh, I, I know you meant this, but we then as leadership need to model this out to the congregation so that they can see in us that we're, we're sincere about this. We, exactly. we believe it. Yep. I want to build on Bruce's point. When we presented this last March to the elder, these two statements to the um, elder body and some thoughts on the level of commitment it would mean to being able to internalize this from the national body to the local congregation to the local home. We asked the brothers to take it overnight to really pray about it. We asked them for a secret ballot, and we asked not only do you approve the statement, there was really three points. Uh, do you approve it? Are you willing to live up to it, as Bruce, Brother Bruce mentioned? Do you have enough confidence in the work group and the expanded work group to refine it based on some further input we might get from the churches, which we have, and we did? And are you committed to being part of the, that living into it? And we, we had 100% yes. And that, that was pretty – it was moving for me. I, I know that. Um, and I don't sense a hesitancy in church leadership. And every one of us knows it means a little more discomfort at times. They, they know what this means. Yeah. 
what I'm hearing then, and I really appreciate this, I'm hearing this idea that we need to be dripping out these statements. We need to be communicating them and using the phraseology and encourage the internalizing of the phraseology often. We need to be teaching the pieces of what's behind it and creating venues for the continued teaching and, and encouragement. And then we also need to be modeling that, that this is what we live and what we believe. It's going to be incremental adoption, Brother Ireland. You're right. It's not a carnival big bang kind <laughs> one of one and done type deal one no and done. yeah no, it's yeah it's incremental adoption mm-hmm. i think that's perhaps the best way to make it sustainable right just to over time one of the things that we have um, built into this is it's not intended to be uh, static forever especially the guiding principles and the examples that we might use with them but we will build mechanisms into the the continued ownership of this that it gets reviewed I'm going to right now use anywhere from a five to ten year kind of window. We'll say, brothers, we ought to take some time and really see, is this still relevant? Has it been adopted the way it should? Are people able to effectively use it in their lives? So to do that kind of a check on ourselves, if you will, around it. We intentionally do not want this to – this is not the statement of faith. This is not the doctrinal statement of who we are. Yeah, and I would just add to that that some people have questioned that uh, that have been part of the focus groups. Well, what does that mean? The word doesn't change, but the thing about culture that changes is it brings new issues up for us that we've never had to deal with before. So how do we apply the absolute truth of the, of the word to addressing those changes that we face? And you can just look at the number of things that are prominent today. 30, 40 years ago, they, they weren't even on the, on the radar screen for people. You talk about social upheaval that's going to hit the generations to come. So another hope I would have is that this would provide at least some foundation for us to help navigate those very difficult future waters that we don't even know what they are yet. I really appreciate that word foundation that you use. That's really what's what's happening here is, is, is the church is working on clearly communicating the foundation on which we stand. The, the word, of course, but then what does, what does that mean? As you think about these statements, the vision and the purpose of the Apostolic Christian Church, what question do you hope they answer in a, a member of your congregation's mind? Certainly gives some conclusion to the answer. Are, are, are we going to still be a, a church body? Are we going to mm-hmm. be together? There's so many forces that are there pulling us in different directions and apart. So that answers that question. I think it will help answer, so what is the the appropriate level of accountability and consistency across the entire denomination, and where is that degree of latitude to be that individual congregation that needs to be um, responding to the the town or the local place they live in? I hope it is a, a place that people can go to to say, you know, I've got some life decisions to make. I want to get counsel, and I hope that that counsel, whether that's mom and dad, whether it's a local minister or an elder or a deacon, that it gives a place to say, well, let's start the discussion. And you think about the life of the Savior, how does that relate to the decision you have to make? So, I mean, those are some of the things that come to mind. I'm sure it's not all inclusive. but One might be, what does it mean to be an apostolic? And um, really maybe rephrased, what does it mean to be a Christian? And um, I, I feel the vision and purpose squarely centers on Jesus Christ mm-hmm. for both of those, mm-hmm. part of his body mm-hmm. and identifying with him as our head, 
as our savior, as our brother, as our friend. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I hope it settles people in that regard. And then I, I think for me, one of the things is, one of the questions is in the midst of the cultural change and the church tensions, how do I respond? And what's appropriate and what's not? Because I think at times that has gotten pretty blurred in the past. And so I hope that this can help to answer that question. Brothers, we've been together for some time now sharing on this. Really appreciate it. Any final thoughts? I would ask those who are listening to listen and approach this with um, assume the good intent. All right. The elder body wants the church to be participative in this. And that's why we've spoken to a thousand people to help craft what this says. Internalizing it and how we operate both as local congregations, international brotherhood, and in our individual lives, that cannot come from church leadership. That needs to come from every one of us individually as we operate in each of those spheres. I had uh, two pieces of feedback. It was kind of interesting from the same focus group. I got an email from one person that says, this sounds to me like it is just an effort to um, lower the standards in our church and accept more inappropriate things. It's a paraphrasing. The same focus group, someone else sent me an email and said, this sounds like you're wanting to try and exercise more rigid control over people. (laughs) I truly appreciated both of them writing to me. I truly did and expressing themselves. But I actually think it speaks to people's fears. So my plea would be, don't fear this. Trust the good Lord. If this is of the Lord, which we believe it is, then we would invite everyone to be a part of this and to to help make this our our denominations, our church bodies, vision and purpose, and in reality how we live. If it's not of the Holy Spirit, you don't need to fear it. It'll fall of its own weight. So I I would just conclude with those thoughts. Don't be fearful. Please join church leadership. The intent of this is pure and right and for the welfare of us as a denomination and as individuals and as individual congregations that every one of us can live spiritually full and healthy and Christ-centered and Christ-like lives. Well said. Amen. Thanks for listening. Around the Table is a production of Onward Media, a communications ministry of the Apostolic Christian Church of America.